Are you wondering how you can contribute to Funniest Thing? Don't flip out. Go to patreon.com forward slash funniest thing. Whoa! This one is called The Pants. Take eight. Welcome to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed, the best looking guys on the radio. We all know the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly, like Mr. Magoo blindly stepping onto the next swinging girder and falling into an outrageous jackpot. Your hosts, Daryl and Ed, are about to administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Now, here are your hosts, Daryl and Ed. Welcome to The Funniest Thing. Yes. Where each week we share stories about how stepping out boldly always leads to better than expected outcomes. Yes, it does. I'm Daryl. I'm Ed. And we're broadcasting live from Edward. Jobo Studios. Beautiful. Downtown Van Nuys. <laughs> hey, Indy, how we doing today? We're doing great. It's episode 100 from Chobo. Yeah, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the beautiful tray of cupcakes that uh, Tori uh, uh, baked for us and decorated. And they uh, have yeah. they have step out boldly. Yes, let, let go. go. Joy, fun, faith. Let God. Let go, let God. Uh, yeah, step it's out boldly. Funniest thing, Daryl and Ed. On, I mean, and they have sprinkles. Ah, uh, we just out. happened to get the wrong parchment paper. We got the nonstick on accident, and they kind of uh, just fe- like they're like little uh, flower petals. I yeah. love it. It makes yeah. it easier to eat, man. I'm not trying to deal with a sticky wrapper, man. This is the way I should go from now on. If awesome. I have cupcakes. And well, I thank you guys it. for uh, awesome. I guess two years now. Two and, years uh, and a hundred shows. Ups. Yes. And I see it's funniest thing with zeal and renunciation today. What's that? Oh, the oh, whiteboard oh, there. Oh, oh sorry. <laughs> yeah. Funniest thing with zeal and renunciation. Yes. If yes. you want to check out what we're talking about, go to YouTube. Funniest thing with Daryl and Ed. If you're on YouTube and you want to listen on the go, go to any podcast app. That's Apple right. Podcast. You're, even if you don't know what a podcast is, your phone, your phone likely has a podcast app. And you can listen to us Tell there. someone who will find it for you, and you can find Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed there, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get podcasts. Today's show, this is really good. Quit your day job with Mae McCarthy, who will be joining us during the second segment. Mae McCarthy is going to bring a lot of inspiration to us today. We all want to be prosperous. We all want to tap into our divine potential. We all want to take God as our business partner. And that's exactly what Mae McCarthy is all about, um, at least one of the things. So our show, Quit Your Day Job, Don't Make Life a Job, Live It From the Inside Out, Live Intuitively and Prosper, Trust Your Intuition, Every Goal, Desire, and Dream is Easier Than We Tend to Believe, Simply Because It Is Beyond What We've Known. It is outside the, of the familiar box we've kept ourselves in. On this episode, Daryl and Ed... Remind listeners and each other that stepping out boldly is really just being willing to discover we've been wrong about what we thought were our limits. And during the second segment, Miracle Madam Mae McCarthy, she has authored books such as The Gratitude Formula and The Path to Wealth. Today, she's encouraging us to trust our intuitive leads with today's reading, 
willing and expectant, and a whole lot more. Now, are we going to jump right into these breaths, or am I going to read a little from Ponder first? Let's read something from Ponder first. Catherine Ponder, that is, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, great book. Yes, this is a... Daryl doesn't usually read thick books of this nature, so this one has to be a good one. No, I I prefer the little thin books, like the Florence Scovel Shin or the, or the uh, Catherine Ponder, mm-hmm. the thin books she has. This is like a ton of those books in one book. Yeah. But I highly recommend it. And yes, Ed's correct, because it's hard to read in bed when they're this big. I like the thin ones, and you can carry them in your car, the thin ones. Yes. But this one is really worth getting, and I'm just going to read this. If you have the book, The Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, this is from page 161, and it sums up this episode perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use my glasses so I don't... Skip anything. Okay, here we go. Things cannot improve in an outer way until things change in an inner way, Mm -hmm. because the inner processes of the mind control all the outer experiences of our lives. If you are in the midst of apparent failure, financial difficulties, or restlessness and dissatisfaction with your work, None of these conditions need prevent you from entertaining ideas of abundance, plans for riches, and mental images of the success which you seek. Nothing can stop you from moving toward your goals mentally as you ask divine intelligence what next steps you are to take to bring forth your desires. And this whole episode and what we're all going to be talking about is how you can literally ask for a lead, which is inviting your intuition to help direct you. And I always like to say, when I'm unsure, and make it obvious. Give me a sign and make it obvious. Yes. And she wraps this up with saying, we live in a sea of energy and intelligence, according to the scientists, And we have constant access to its benefits if we ask for them. Your ships come in only after you have sent them out. Nice. Yeah, we're and we're always really sending them out. It's just like how attuned are we to what we're sending out from our heart and our desires. Um, Morning routine is really important for this. Taking time to uh, read some inspired reading each morning. Do some meditation of some sort. It can yes. be really simple. Just set a timer for a few minutes even if you're new to meditation and just breathe. Appreciate the room you're in. Send some love to people. Just relax. You know, like it's like in order for me to shift out of these old patterns of thought that, like we said, will keep us in the familiar box. It's not a wrestling match. It's more about coming into a, the stillness and like taking our attention off of those fast moving old patterns of thought so that they can dissipate and then we can actually see clearly and make a new choice and that's you know and that's what we're that's when we're using affirmative prayer to affirm the good in our life and i've been using this is something that i got from may which is to write a letter i have this book that uh i have several books because i've been going through them quickly now and i've been writing every morning thank i've been called i always i like the reading um take god as your business partner by emmett fox so i just always call it Dear God partner or dear God business, whatever comes in my brain where I want to 
reach to yes. that like bigger loving presence that I really know is guiding me. And um, yes, and then I just thank God for everything that happened the day before or that day before I'm writing it. And then once I start getting inspired, I start claiming the things that I want to see the next day related to any, like, it's really nice. Sometimes it's really helpful. I mean, what I'm gaining from this is um, it doesn't matter what I'm thankful for, really, as long as I get into the vibration of thanks. Yes. And a, a nice thing that Kathy Norman recommends is adding little drawings. Drawing, I mean, she said, like, draw yourself into the image of where you want to be. And I've kind of combined it with my letters. Sometimes I'll just do more emphasis on drawing, but sometimes I just end my, my dear God partner letters with little doodles. pictures. Yeah, yeah simple. Doodles. You don't have to be an artist. We don't want you to think these got to yeah. be, these just be stick figures. And I just want to add this. Yeah, go ahead. The reason um, Kathy Norman or the, the, uh, the method Kathy was describing to us was like Ed was saying to get into a gratitude frame of feeling nature, to get into that vibration. And it's crazy that you said that because I too drew a drawing of myself because I tweaked my back. That's funny. So, can I say I have your little face here? Yes. With a, I drew the yours may or not may or may not have a little bit of a more Fazaro esque nose on this on this little. Stick figure face. I, I didn't have room for the nose on my pad. Yeah, but I was thinking about you. And I, and I made you smiling, and I had this little angel next to you, shining light of healing light upon you, and how you feel loved and appreciated and supported. So, yes, so I, yeah, I, I was I, on that as well. I tweaked my back yesterday. So the, the method she's teaching is to draw a simple little drawing of the outcome you want of you celebrating the win of you yes. already excited hold like our friend Stephen Thorpe uh had a call to make to you know his first interview with an agent ever and it was a legitimate acting agent yeah so he drew him already after the call with his cell phone in his hand going uh, yay yes and i drew myself like standing like in a nice, you know, yes, hero that. position. Yeah. And I wrote, I feel sturdy, flexible, and strong, solid actually, and fueled with love because I tweaked my back yesterday. And we should let our listeners know this. I jotted this down. It's crazy yeah, that you it. said that about um, gratitude. Yeah. I wrote, gratitude isn't just a nice feeling. It's a magnetic force that yeah. attracts more to be grateful for. That's so true. And last night I had four faces. One is you, me, Indy, and May um, for the show. Great show. Love, wisdom, joy, fun, prosperous insights, wholeness abound everywhere. I like to draw these little angels I've started drawing no matter where. It's so that I'm remembering that there's angels everywhere, dollar signs everywhere. Yeah, so... I, I use this in in a meeting on Zoom. I have my book yes, and I drew faces, little circular smiling faces of everyone in that room, and I put one heart in the middle, like we're all connected. and And I had three meetings in twenty four hours for the students I work with, which take a lot of energy because, for me, what it is, and I don't know if everyone looks at it this way, but it's a chance to encapsulate in an inspiring way where a student has been. I work with kids with like special needs, learning challenges, whatever, different ways of doing things. So my job is to frame where they've been, show their progress, 
show that they're growing where they're going, like encourage everyone else there to come away feeling inspired. The kid is successful, seeing the kid successful and doing it this way. Everyone's heart opens and gets on board. And like we were able to show parents like, look, your kid's not dumb or has they're just when the, the way they learn different. Like there's one kid who like visual information just doesn't land on him very well. So like we were just telling her. In his case, it's better to read something to him first, just so he's heard it before. You know, like, yes. make sure he, you're telling him this stuff. Um, it doesn't, like, for some people, they're like, oh, that's cheating to read it first, but just the way he learns. And this, you know, why just, is it cheating to read it first? Well, because of the way who the game is. I know, exactly. Law? That makes no sense to me. There's so many. I would think, who cares? Right. Well, yeah, you know, see, it's that old, like, mentality of, like, you don't want to give them the information ahead of, you know, I, I, you know, whatever. There's like a million different things, especially when someone has had challenges over a period of time that no one understood. So they've developed these, you know, the parent starts to feel better, you know, like they're oh, in the school, God, you know, like there's so much crap that can come up. But I use it as a, a prayer meeting to really shine light, not just on the kid, but on the parents, because the parents can... You know, if they're in the in this wrong situation, can feel like they're doing something wrong. The teachers can, you know, like everyone. My job is to just bring that light and that love. So I bring my little book. I made circles. I use the Nancy Norman, see the light of the angel of God's presence above every person in the Zoom. And I've talked about this how since I've been doing it, almost every time, and when I look in their Zoom screen, there'll be like a light above their head, like a literal light, like a fluorescent light or a lamp. So this stuff works, and just those little reminders that God is taking care of. That's where our intuition comes. Like, did you read that just now? We we're talking about the. No, um, you're I'm about to read. Let me read. But this. let me just say oh, this first: yeah. the reason of draw, the drawing your outcomes. Yes. The science. Yes, the science behind it is this: all this, like Ponder, we just read Catherine Ponder. It's all an inside job, and that's good news. I mean, mm -hmm. a lot of people will say that's ridiculous. That sounds like that can't be right. I just imagine these things, and that changes my experience. Yeah. But it's actually a spiritual law, and athletes have been using it forever. Yes. I mean, most successful people understand these as principles and, and apply them regularly. So it's a combination of my thought of expectancy— Yes. And the feeling that goes along with that, the good feeling. And that means I'm getting into the vibration or the consciousness of what I desire. Yes. So all it takes, um, the experts say, is a minimum of 17 seconds mm -hmm. of being in that state. So that's why drawing, when you start to draw a little stick figure or if you're you know, an accomplished artist and you want to take it a little further, regardless how you draw, as soon as you start drawing the outcome of your desire, all your, fo your mind can't think now of problems or doubts. Right, or It is so hyper-focused on drawing the outcome. Yeah. And here's the other added benefit. Now you're moving out of the critical mind, the left side of your brain, yep. that's always going, no, no, no. And the only reason it's saying no, no, no is because reason has its limits, which means all our reason is only based on what we already know. Yeah. And 
new experiences are unknown to that part of my brain. So it sees them as being foreign and dangerous and unattainable. But when you start drawing, you'll start feeling a lighter feeling naturally because you're moving out of the side of the brain that handles all the judgment and criticism, and you're moving into the abstract, you know, the other side of your brain, the creative side. And when that happens as you're drawing, the feelings of the desire already being accomplished are like permeating your whole Mm -hmm. being. And all it takes is 17 seconds of that to really create the magnet. To kick in. Now, if you draw longer, then that just makes it that much more intense. But what, what, where the magnet, and I should say what we're talking about with the magnet, and you're going to read it, is it simply means now that because of the concentration on drawing the outcome, my critical mind is out of the way. So now my subconscious mind is open to receive the new impression Mm -hmm. of my desire with the feeling, and now the subconscious mind, which is power without direction until we give it, you know, usually we're telling it that's impossible, that's no good. But now we're giving it, this is possible, this is what I would love to happen. Yes. And that is where the magic begins. That's right. Right. And that's why we're recommending, and that's why Kathy uh, brought up in one of her talks the method of adding, yes. drawing the outcome yeah. you desire. Simple, yeah. like Ed was yeah. uh, just describing. Yeah, and like you said, the magnet, the magnetic power becomes very evident when, as I'm drawing, then I start thinking of more things to draw, and I think yes. of new words to add. Yes! Like, literally. Start magne- <laughs> yeah, right? And uh, like I've been really focusing on a lot lately, like Charles Fillmore talked about imagination as one of the power, 12 powers, and anytime I'm thinking about something... I, like this has been easy for me to ex- understand. If if it's not happening right now, on a subtler level, even if it is, but let's just say if it's not happening right now, my imagination is involved. Yes. Right? So doing the drawing and even writing, thank you for things that are gonna happen. This is now engaging, re-engaging my imagination because I like Florence Coleman calls it soul sleep. And my wife and I were talking about this. It's like when I'm having this nightmarish outcomes and these fear-based ideas, I'm literally in a dream state. And in that dream, I have to do this, this, and this before I can be okay. But the thing is, the nature of the dream, even if I do that, that, and that, I'm never going to really be okay because that dream is based on fear. The vibration of the dream is... So it's like, but until I have these principles and practice it to realize, like... It's like waking up in a lucid dream, just realizing, hey, I'm dreaming. I have to wake myself out of that dream, not do all the things that that dream mind is telling right. me to do, not try to solve. This is what Eric Butterworth talked about, treating the concern first, not the condition. Yes. So treat the part of my brain that's concerned. Wake up out of that soul sleep. Wake up into uh, oh my God. inspired imagination, uh, gratitude remembering who I am because once I start doing yes. that, I literally start remembering good things that have happened to me. Cause when I'm in that fear, like I can't even access any success I've had. Like it's, you know what I mean? Cause I'm not a vibrational oh my match, God, this is good. but as soon as I switched to vibration, like the other day I was doing it and I just had a memory of that. Those guys invited me to that 
wave pool in Palm right. Springs. But it was like, oh, yeah, good things happened to me. And I remembered how it felt to serve. And it like suddenly everything started shifting. And I literally became from the outside a different person. Yeah. There was no, you know what I mean? I, now I had access to my whole self and, and from the inside. I became a new person. It felt so good. I want I want you to read this before we go, but I got to say this because you just helped me realize another new tool I'm going to start using. I, uh, you know, often when I start thinking these thoughts, like, you know, where I'm not thinking other than positive thoughts about my desires or my gratitude for what I have, you know, appreciating my life right now. Right. Once I start to tank, you know, in the shower or whatever, I'll go, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. You know, and yeah, yeah. I just read this morning, every time you say no, it weakens the old habit and and strengthens the new one. You yes. know, it's thought. But now the way you're putting it, that I'm going to really now remind myself when I'm thinking fearful and doubtful that I'm falling back asleep. Yeah. Then I'm falling into yeah. a, like the Adamic, the Adamic. Adamic dream that yeah, Florence right. Goebel sing like Adam and Eve fell asleep. Yes. And there's no sign of mankind ever waking up until Jesus pops up onto right. the into the story. But so now when I start thinking fearful, instead of just, you know, going no or whatever, I'm say, wake up. You're dreaming right yeah. now. You know, and now it makes sense, you know, when people would say, snap out of it. You know, when people yeah. are in self-pity yeah. or they're whining, you know, my dad, right. come on, snap out of it. Yeah. Because it literally, it's funny how we don't realize where these, yeah. collo what are they called? Colloquialism? Colloquialism. Colloquialisms. Yeah. <laughs> where they come from. Yeah. But they're always based in spiritual truth. That's why we love, often we'll use them as titles for our show. Because yeah. Because kind of, I was thinking of that, that's just great. You know, people will say it, it's become like a sarcastic, but... If you really think about it, that is just great. great. There's only good. You, you know, you're talking about the Adamic whatever dream. Yeah. Uh, Schoonover talks about that a lot. And I remember thinking about that because I was um, raised Catholic and I used to think about these things a lot uh, in, in college before I even knew, knew New Thought or practical Christianity or any of this stuff. And I just remember like the whole, it makes sense as a dream, right? Because I used to be someone who ran from life a lot. I mean, a lot. Like when I was a kid, if trouble was, I was afraid of getting trouble, I'd be, you'd be there like, ah, I'd be like three blocks away hiding in the bushes, right? So I know this dream well, this adamic dream where you think God has kicked you out, right? So there's a, there's a quote, uh, another biblical quote, and we're not um, Bible scholars, although we, right. we do our best to keep learning and reading, but it says like, a, uh, the fool fleeth when no man pursueth. Yes, I love that and one. And that's kind of the Adam thing. It's like God never judged. There's no judgment in God. <laughs> Why are you running? And he's running and telling the whole everyone he meets, like, oh, don't go back. God's mad. <laughs> you know, like, but the whole thing is just a dream um, of judgment, right? Like, and we wake up from that dream and we realize, because the best thing I can ever do no matter what's happened before, is wake back up to my, uh, my prison splendor, let yes. it out, wake up to my divinity, no matter what happens before. <laughs> yes. And just be like, oh, because we all fall asleep and we wake up again. And uh, the more I realize this and own it, who cares? It's like, not that big a deal. If you no. fall asleep for a minute, if the more I forgive myself, the more I'm able to forgive yes. you. If you. It's like, it's not that big a deal. That's what we're here for. We're like little kids learning, you know? And I like this 
uh, Kirky. Oh, this is great. We got a card. A postcard. And if you want to send us a postcard, you can send it to uh, Funniest Thing, P.O. Box 1312, Culver City, California, 90232, or anything for that matter. It's uh, Oh, it's so funny because it says, I'm sorry, but I can't promise it won't happen again. This is exactly what I was just saying because I'm going to fall asleep again. I'm sorry, but I can't promise. And this is a little raccoon standing here. But on the back, I love this because in the spiritual, in my family, and I've noticed this in other people, timidity and an unwillingness to ask for what we want was talked about like it was a virtue. Like, oh, they never asked for anything. They were such, they were saints. You know, they never bothered. But oh, that is not. No, that is hell. That's not what Jesus was talking about. That's not what this new, the, these New Thought teachings, because this says, for this is from Raymond Charles Barker and Ernest Holmes. Timidity has never been a virtue, and modern psychology has proved that it is a definite indication of a wrong habit pattern in the con- unconscious. As metaphysicians, we know that until we control our thinking, we shall never control the conditions of our environment, business, and personal health. The point of control is always within, and the wise person starts to assume dominion over his disorganized thinking. By the power of God in the midst of me, I now take dominion over my own thinking. And that's from Barker and Holmes, and that's from Kirky. So thank you, Kirky. What a, that was the perfect reminder. Because yes. timidity to me is a subtle form of self-pity, which I used to indulge in a lot. Like, oh, it's just, and I don't want to do that anymore. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. I, it doesn't work. It, God, now that I've stepped in boldly in new directions and I'm doing a lot of new things and getting a lot of new results, I got no time for it. I don't want, I'm not going to pretend timidity is what I'm here for. I'm here for boldness. It doesn't have to do with anything, anyone else. It's boldness within myself and then yeah. boldly sharing that light when I'm in the world. And I was able to do that in a meeting just two days ago. I was sharing boldly and joyfully and praising other people in the room and it didn't feel odd. It just felt natural. And yeah, because gonna... it is natural. So all the inner work that I've been doing, and I'm telling you, writing these letters every day, multiple times a day, has been a game changer because it's able. Because I now I remember I didn't think it was going to work yesterday either, but it did. So thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah, it, yeah. So yeah, we're wrapping up with this. Yeah, reading. we're on fire, man. And the letters, that breaths too. The letters Ed's talking about writing are the letters to God. The letters, yeah, of, whatever you of, want to call gratitude. It. The letters to himself, ourselves. May McCarthy calls it chief spiritual officer. Yes. I believe CSO. Oh, um, and that's that's real quick before you read this. Yeah. You could make it whatever you need at the time. Right. When right. I when I bought my first uh, real um, rental property, I'm like, how am I going to get people? Like, how am I going to find yeah, the right yeah. tenant? And Mike Dugan, my mentor, said, what are you talking about? You don't have to worry about it. You got the best realtor working on your behalf yes. than anyone. And then when I started working in the entertainment business, he would say, what are you worried? You don't have to struggle and right. scheme and right, manipulate right. You have the best agent working on your behalf. And my mind, because I didn't have anything else to grab, I chose to believe Amen. that was true. Yeah. And it happens. Things happen. So this is from The Magic of the Magic Path of Intuition by Florence Scovel Shin. Um, there is a book that's a version that is not the, the Hay House version. That's just more plain, like Nancy Norman was saying. It's not that's the one. It this doesn't is- it's not too busy. So we like that one. But you can get to whichever one you like if you want to get the book. She says, prayer is telephoning to God and intuition is telephoning to you. God telephoning. Oh, sorry. I was thinking about that. Here, no, let me hand you that. Now let me read it again. Prayer is telephoning to God and intuition is God telephoning to you. 
True prayer means preparation. That's so true. Having made your demands on the universal supply for any good thing, act immediately as if you expect to receive it. Show active faith, thereby impressing the subconscious mind with expectancy. And that's what that letter for me yes. is, active faith. There was a lady who knew the law of preparation and purchased expensive magazines to give herself the feeling of opulence. Intuition to, told her to buy the magazines. One way to cultivate intuition, intuition is to say before sleeping, in the morning I'll know just what to do. Ideas will flash before you even begin to reason. Prayer is telephoning to God, and intuition is God telephoning to you. Intuition comes from your subconscious, your superconscious mind. Yes. Intuition comes from your superconscious mind. It is God within. The subconscious mind, the subconscious is simply power without direction. What you feel deeply or say with a feeling is impressed upon the subconscious and carried out in the mi minutest detail. It is your soul and must be restored. Impress the subconscious with the perfect ideas of the superconscious mind instead of the doubts and fears of the conscious mind. And then she says, one, one affirmation, stand still and see the power within me. We got to do the breath. Yeah, right? I was just thinking, we're going to close this segment with our three breaths. Let me give a shout out to Grace Deathridge, who loved the last episode with Will Rubio, Rubio called If Not Now, When. She said, um, thank you for this fun episode, smiling as I tune in. I have the Emmett Fox book, too. Around the year, I believe, yep. through watching the show. And some friends of mine in the UK who now listen to your show also read the same book daily now. Wow. The waves from the funniest thing are always flowing and blessing. And someone named Blueberry on YouTube said, the time is now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Close by. Amen. Amen. Wow. Amen. We love Blueberry. Are you ready for these three breaths? Yeah. Okay. You know this. Yeah. Okay. You want to do it the first one? Just you to sure? Because... You uh, you grew up with Huey Lewis posters on your wall. Uh, this wasn't Huey Lewis, was it? Yeah, it was. I think so, actually. And I, I actually, <laughs> when I was like eleven, I think I was nine, somewhere between nine I and eleven. A, okay. Huey Lewis was the um, one of the only CDs that they sold at Sears next to the CD player. So I had the sports. He I, didn't look like a rock star. He looked like a coach for an NFL football team. But he did make fine videos. All okay, right, let's ready? I'm taking what God's given and having fun for a living. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's how it goes. <laughs> I'm taking what God's given and having fun for a living. Uh, that's definitely not the melody. <laughs> I should have started it. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I'm taking, taking what God's given and having fun for a living. That was a little bumpy, but you know what? The truth. This is the truth, and I'm telling you, these letters that I've been writing are just a s small little thing that I've added to my practice. But it just reminds me that I'm literally taking what God's given. Even today yeah. for the show, it's like I'm offloading all the burden that was on my shoulders back to where it belongs onto God, and I'm just showing up to receive and uh, receive and deliver the goods. And I can feel my shoulders dropping. I can feel my health improving. Like yeah. everything yes. improves when we allow ourselves to know that. I, I had the image, and I've heard it before, but when I woke up the other day, 
first my mind was plugged into this belief that I'm limited. And it's like I had to pull that out and plug it into the awareness of my unlimited supply. And it changes everything because the other, those limited thought, those fearful thoughts are, are based on the erroneous notion that there's a limited supply. Once we unplug that, plug that back into the awareness, and this is truth, it's principle. It does not matter if Daryl or Ed or any, it's principle. Apply it in your life, practice these things, and see it for yourself. But plugging in, you will be blown away. All right, coming up next, Miracle Madam, amazing author, speaker. She's done a lot of things in business, amazing things. Um, we're just happy. We consider her a friend of the show already. We love people who live by these principles, and May McCarthy is definitely one of those pe people. Today, she encourages us to trust our intuitive leads and a lot more with today's reading, Willing and Expectant. Thank you for listening to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed. We're right here, episode 100, Bilbo Studio. We now return to The Funniest Thing. Here are your hosts, Daryl and Ed, the best-looking guys on the radio. All right, welcome back to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed. We are very pleased to introduce you all, if you haven't met her before, the great Mae McCarthy. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much. Love the opening. Oh, man. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, your home looks beautiful. Where are you? Uh, Texas, in a little tiny town that is north of San Antonio. Oh, great. great. A little town called Bernie. We're going to have, uh, we're going to be sort of in the center of the viewing of the eclipse in April. Oh, yes. Wow. NASA, NASA set up camp about a half hour north of us. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, one of my son's favorite bands is Vampire Weekend, and they're having a show during the eclipse so that they can pause in the middle. They're going to be in Austin. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not very far from us. We're about an hour and, well, I'll just say hour and a half from Austin. Great, great. So you are a consummate professional. Sometimes we're, we do a lot of the talking, but we know you're a pro. Don't worry, we'll talk as well. But, uh, You've been listening to us go on, and I know you come lo your clip comes loaded. So I was just wondering if you had some things to share right off the bat based on what we've been talking about or what you brought to the table today. Okay. So first of all, love Kathy and Nancy Norman. Yes. Love Florence Shin. Love Catherine Ponder. I've given away hundreds of their books because I think that they're I wish they taught this in more places, but I'm glad you guys are out there sharing this message, uh, helping people recognize that words, thoughts, emotions, they create the life that we're living. And uh, all of those authors and Emmett Fox and Charles Fillmore, and they're all teaching the same thing, just packaged a little differently. And what we're hoping is that as people really recognize that they're creating the reality that they're living in, 
then maybe they'll make a choice to create something that works for them and is good for them and good for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think this is not a selfish practice. This is a practice that enables you to experience your highest and greatest good and it ex- allows everyone else to experience theirs as well. Um, I like the idea of drawing, except that I'm not very good at that. And I, I, I write um, as that's my art <laughs> is mm-hmm. writing. But, it, but I have used uh, what I call gratitude boards. And some people, some people use um, the term vision boards or goal boards. But essentially, it's, it's looking at what I consider to be the six areas of importance in your life. And they get a piece of poster board and they divide it up into six areas And then they put pictures that represent the completed outcome of their goals in those different areas. And as they look at that and they see that, it's as they look at it first, they're better able to imagine it in their heads. Because there's a lot of people that can't just drum up an image in their mind. Right. They need to see something first in order to, to, to spur that. And when we see a completed picture of, you know, somebody laughing because they got a promotion or high fiving somebody because they closed a big deal and um, or uh, seeing their kids out, you know, playing um, whatever their goals are in any area of their life, a big bank account, um, time with family and friends that looks like they're having fun and, you know, harmonious relationships, whatever their goals are. When they see a picture of something that looks like the completed goal, it it hits the emotion. And it's our words, our thoughts, and our emotions that send out that energy that you referred to earlier, where we try and get on par energetically with the thing that we would like to experience in our life. So that can help raise the energy to the same level. Anyway, so that was one of the things that that I enjoyed. And uh, I also... Could I stop uh, you for a moment and ask you a question, if you don't mind? Sure. sure. Um, would you mind sharing what the six areas are that you, uh, you help people address? Oh, sure. So I... Um, finances is one. Uh, using your skills and talents in ways that are fulfilling and satisfying and rewarding. Harmonious relationships. Health recreation because you got to have time to rebalance and you know recharge yourself and spiritual connection in no order of importance if it's my order of importance this is first spiritual connection yeah can i say one thing now that you just hit on that sure i don't know if a lot of our listeners heard of this i'm gonna draw it And I don't know if you have. You might have because you've been at this a while and read a lot of the books that we talk about. But I'm just drawing something here for our viewers who are looking. And if you're looking on, if you can't see this because you're listening to us, you could take a look on YouTube. But I'm going to explain it as best I can. And it's this thing called, I just do two circles. Can I just, um, I can't see our camera. Hang on one second. There we go. Okay. So I just drew two circles, uh, May, and underneath I wrote pies. Have you ever heard of pies? 
Well, actually, I worked for a very large Fortune 500 company that used that term. Okay. And, uh, their definition of pie was was not accurate. Oh, okay. Well, my <laughs> these pies are very delicious pies. These pies represent the four parts of us: physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And when I was introduced to this, the man who introduced it to me was a man named Mike Dugan. And and he said, you know, when I, you know, before I met you, Daryl, he said, if you make the circle and we turned it into a pie chart, he said, um, what you would see on my pie chart at that time would have been 85% physical, meaning I was always running around trying to fix my life by attaining, you know, I got to do the right amount of exercise. I got to get the right job, the right house. I got to make so much money in order to enjoy the things I would like to do. So most of his motivation came from the physical. He was living primarily 85% on the physical plane. And then he put 10% emotional, 10% emotional, because when things didn't work out on the physical plane, if he thought something was going to interrupt what he wanted to get, or something was going to come and ruin what he already had, his emotions would be erratic, and then they would continue to affect his drive on the physical plane. He said, I was only about 5% intellectual, and he goes, or intelligent. And he says, the reason I put that, because if I was any more intelligent than I was, I would have realized a lot sooner that the way I was experiencing my emotions, that the way I was living, the way I was operating, was not an intelligent way to be operating. So he said, well, what do you think, you know, we live here on earth in the third dimension. What do you think would be the optimum experience for us? And at first, when I was new, I thought, oh, all spiritual. But he, he just made perfect quarters. And he said it would be a balance of physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And I said, well, how... Do I do that? Because you think, oh, well, I got to do this much read yeah, spiritual sure. prayer. I got to read so many books. And unfortunately, a lot of success coaches, they make attaining balance feel like hard work because they're coming from the P, the physical, you know, scheme and worry, the emotions driving the physical. I'm going to segment my life. But you could throw all that out the window, folks, because the good news is if you just focus on the spiritual, what you need to do to maintain your spiritual well-being, everything we talk about on the show, all these little practices we talk about, if you just mind that, well, your physical needs seem to be proportionate and well taken care of. Your emotional nature is not as erratic as it would be had you been operating primarily in the third dimension, the physical plane. 
And your intellect is now being used intelligently. Right. Because now you're basing your intellect on spiritual principles, divine laws. Mm-hmm. So you're not trying to scheme, you're not worrying and scheming, you're aligning. You know how to align yourself to the truth. So that was pi. So when you said S, you believe is the number one thing for you. I think intuitively, it's the number one thing. And if you want to experience a balance in your life, it seems to be the shortcut to experiencing that balance. Don't you agree, Ed? I do. I'm writing everything you're saying down. I love it. How about, so what did you think of pies, May? I like it. That's great acronym. I think I'll, I'll remember that. Yeah, feel free to steal it and share it. If viewers want to go back, there's a 10-year-old video on Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed YouTube of us doing it from your garage. Yeah. It's called Pies Like Us. Pies Like Us. <laughs> yeah, so. Very right, that lot, the lighting was not nearly as good, I have to say. No. Yeah. So, all right. Now y'all look great. Yeah, nowadays we've, we've followed spirit. We've followed these principles all the yeah. way to Chobo the breadcrumbs all the way here it was crazy yeah when unity online radio closed their doors we decided we're just going to shove off on our own and we ended up here so it always works out yeah i had a show on unity online radio too it was called abundance incorporated oh wow abundance incorporated what when yeah. did you do the show on unity online radio um it they when they closed, I started the show maybe two years before that. Oh, okay. Okay, so were you there when they actually closed the doors? Yeah. yeah. It was a sudden, a sudden close, a closure. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, what I would do is, because my travel schedule and all the other stuff going on in my life, they, uh, I had done a weekly show, and then I said, you know, sorry, this, I can't do this every week. Um, but they didn't want to lose the content. So we did a recording once a month with a guest and then they played it every Friday. Oh, nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We, um, do you remember Jeff comfort from the net? He was, I don't know if you ever worked with him directly because he was the engineer. I I got a cell phone. (laughs) Oh, nice. Yeah. He's still friends with us. Um, he still puts our stuff up on the audio. We forgot Uh, to thank. Oh yeah. By the way, may for a moment. We want to thank Jeff Comfort. We want to thank Jeff Comfort. Each week, he takes us right right into the comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, because he's the one still responsible putting us up on the audio for all our podcast listeners. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I, 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 I enjoy all of the people that work there. They. We're just delightful. Have you ever been to Unity Village? Yes. Several we, times, yeah. We were just there in November, matter of fact. Yeah, there's a Fillmore oh. Bible Society gathering. We were invited to speak at the, at the first annual conference for that. They put, they're putting together the metaphysical interpretations, Fillmore's inter- metaphysical, easy-to-use uh, New Testament at the moment, but they're going to do the whole yeah. thing. And so we Yeah, the there. New Testament's actually done, yeah. and you could order it through Truth Unity, yeah, I for think free. for free. And they're it's working. Amazing. They're working on the Old Testament yeah. right now. So it has the all the biblical text, 
with uh right next to it just annotated with yes. uh, what Fillmore thought about each uh you know line or whatever the metaphysical the, the esoteric meaning yeah, yeah. from the what unity great, writings what a great resource oh it's it's fantastic right. because anytime we come across a bible quote now if it's in the new testament we look it up in this Fillmore metaphysical bible we'll read it and then we'll see the annotation of the esoteric meaning the metaphysical right. meaning and it really helps wake up your mind to this is practical yeah. this is something i could apply to my mind right now right on this circumstance and transform it yeah yeah Habits. yeah we're probably going to be there beginning of January, I mean, of 2025 to do a little conference. Denise Blake is uh, trying is putting it together with, with for Daryl and Ed to come back. So we're excited about that. Terrific. Yeah, yeah. I was there in uh, the January right before the whole COVID breakout. And uh, it was, uh, we. I, I hosted a retreat, an intentions retreat for a group of people that had come in to Unity Village, and they just did a top-notch job. Yeah. If anybody wants to host a retreat, yes. that's a great, great place to do it. Oh, yeah. yeah the hotel there is beautiful. It's so nice it to is. stay there. I love all the words on the wall. Yes! Yeah. And the deer that run by and everything. And, and just it's they so prayer-conditioned with the, the history of new thought and the great people that have been there. Yeah. Feel oh, it, right? They even have a little golf course there. Yeah. Yes! Yes. Um, I'm a golf. <laughs> I was, I'm kind of curious, May, like, because we're gonna we'll encourage people where they can find you online, and there's you do a lot of speaking, and they can find talks. And but I'm just kind of curious where you were in your life when you came upon these principles, and how things changed for you, and how uh, how did you become the person you are now through you know with regards to this stuff? Sure. So I grew up in a family also raised Catholic. The last of 10 children, born and raised in Hawaii. Oh, wow. And, yeah. So I, um, you know, it's, it, it, it wasn't difficult to, you know, sit on the beach and look out and know that there was something greater than myself that was around. And so we, we, we had a practicing faith um, growing up in our, our family. And when I was just about ready to go off to college, my mother gave me the little book called The Game of Life and how to play it. Wow. Now, my mom was raised Seventh-day Adventist, and she converted to Catholicism in her 20s. And I would have thought that this little book would have been the last thing that she would have given me based on her faith. But she said, you know, you're, you're a little different. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that this will be helpful to you. Also, when I was 10 years old, she took me to a weekend seminar and brought along some of the other kids in our family. Not, not all of them, but a couple of the other ones. And the person at the door said, no, this is for adults only. And they, she said, well, this 10-year-old can handle this. She used to take me out of school you know, when I was eight years old and take me with her to college, she went back to school with 10 kids and a husband and volunteer positions. And she went back to school and got her bachelor's degree. She already had a nursing degree, but she went back to school and she dragged me out of 
my Catholic primary school and take me to college with her because she thought I was smart enough to handle it. Wow. And um, yeah, it was kind of, she didn't do that for any of the other kids. So for some reason, she, she sort of singled me out and she took me to this seminar called Silva Mind Control. Oh, okay. So Jose Silva's work and uh, it was being put on at a hotel in Waikiki and there were lots and lots and lots of people there. And I remember one of the exercises where we were broken up into partners. And if you're my partner, you have a little index card. And on that index card is somebody's name, whether it's a man or a woman, the city and state they live in, and the physical diagnosis that they have of some sort of illness. Now, you will tell me that this is you know, a 49-year-old woman. And you might even tell me that she lives in Kansas. But that's all. And you're looking at this card, and I use the tool to go into my meditation to get to that alpha state. And I start to think, I, I, was, I created this little workshop in my mind, and I put this 39-year-old woman up on on my screen or her age, I can't remember, but, but I put her up on my screen and I started scanning her body and I might see like right here where your lungs are, this big black and red spot. And so what I would do is take my scissors, which are, you know, for a 10 year old, I've got the little rounded uh, you know, kids yeah. scissors and I'd cut that out. And then I'd cut a similar size piece of white paper and I'd tape it, you know, over uh, that spot. And I would explain to you, my partner, what I saw and what I did. And then I would come out of my meditative state and they would say, yes, she has lung cancer. So my dad, who was a surgeon, came and did that exercise. After that, he walked out and wouldn't come back. And because a surgeon needs to actually physically diagnose someone after seeing them. And he was able to diagnose the person that was on that card with his partner. <laughs> and uh, that freaked him out. Wow. So that's how I got started in all this. This is incredible. I love that story. Yeah, me too. How? When did you leave Hawaii? I mean, how long did you grow up? What, what were? What, when did you leave Hawaii? I was actually stationed in Hawaii, and I was introduced to all this while I was in Hawaii, and that was um, from the throughout the eighties. I left in nineteen ninety. Okay, so when did you get there? I got there in nineteen eighty four. Okay, I left in eighty one. Darn, I missed you. Oh no, I'm telling you my age. No, it doesn't matter. Off to college. <laughs> Actually, so, wait a minute. You're younger than me. <laughs> so I, I went off to college with that book and I thought I had a miracle making formula. Honestly, all I had to do is use my words, thoughts and emotions yes. and I could achieve whatever I wanted. I was able to graduate from college with honors in three years while growing a business with 250 people. And it was bizarre that I mean, it seemed so easy. And as I spiritually matured, you know, and life started 
you know, started doing life on life's terms, um, then I, I, it, it wasn't so carefree. You know, I had different responsibilities and sometimes those can pull you away from this, you know, joyous and free life of being a student and running a company, right? Right. They, there's more stuff now that's going on. So I, uh, I would get a little lax in my practice and then some crises would happen mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'd have to call all my friends and family and get everybody power praying. And I would power pray, power pray just to get back to yeah. manifesting peace and manifesting right. solutions. And, and it was it, this emotional roller coaster ride, you know, everything would be going good. And then I'd get lax and then I'd have to have a crisis show up and power pray, power pray. So that emotional roller coaster ride was just exhausting. And um, I had, uh, you know, continued with Catholicism, but I continued studying everyone that I could find that was like Catherine Ponder and Emma Curtis Hopkins and Emmett Fox and the Fillmores and um, Ernest Holmes and, you know, studying everybody I could. But I didn't realize there were churches like that until my sister started going to a unity church. And from there, she went to Centers for Spiritual Living and uh, became a reverend there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so in 2005, yeah. So, and she's a fabulous businesswoman. I mean, extremely great. Um, But she does that as well. And she teaches classes and, and whatnot. And she had me teach she, she had created a program called the Better Business Network, and they would meet once a month early morning for breakfast. And there were about 100 people that would come to this. And she always had a topic. And then once a month, they'd also do a class for the same group. And so she invited me to teach a lot on business. By that time, I had already had five of my eight different businesses. And uh, so she thought I knew a little something about business. Yeah. I'll come in and teach about that and how to use spiritual principles while doing business. Yeah. And achieve greater success. So started doing that. And then in, I guess it was early 2000s, the leadership of that center uh, took me aside and said, what are you doing to be so successful? Now, by this time, I had devised my daily practice that I write about in my book, The Path to Wealth. And um, I uh, actually thought it was kind of a trick question. (laughs) Like, what am I doing? Well, um, I'm doing what you're teaching. (laughs) Yeah, right. Right. And so they no, that's, that's not what we're asking. We, you're using something, a success principle, because we don't have anyone that tithes at the level that you do. We've, we've never had anyone that tithes that much. And um, so what are you doing? And so I s- explain my daily practice and how I operate through life with God as my partner, with spirit as my partner, divine intelligence, universal power, call it whatever you want. Um, but I explained the program and they asked if I'd teach a workshop. So that was so successful that another one happened and another one and another one. 
And after about the 500th person had gone through and said they had success, I was asked to write a book. And uh, so I thought, no, not doing it. Um, Because when I took the SATs to go to college, it happened to be a, a really, really, really good day of surfing. I mean, really good day of surfing. The winds were blowing in the opposite direction. Yeah. You might remember hearing Kona winds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were in Hawaii. Yeah. And so the waves were excellent. And I looked at my friend, John, and I said, I want to leave and and go to the beach. And he goes, I do, too. So I just did not do the English portion of my SAT. Now, I graduated with in high school with very, very good grades. And so after I got accepted to all the colleges that I applied for and I chose the one in Seattle, they told me I had to test again for English because there must have been an electronic error or something because I had (laughs) zero. (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, smiled to myself and I said, well, what are the other options? Because by now I'm hearing that freshman English is a nightmare. Uh, for anybody going to college. And uh, and uh, I said, so what are the other options? And they said, well, you could take English as a, you know, along with the foreign students, English as a second language. And I said, really? Do I get the same credits? And uh, they said, sure. So I did. Oh, and you know, you know what? I think God put me there because there were legitimately other kids from Hawaii that needed to be in that class. Wow. Because in Hawaii, we have a different a language. We it's I call it a lazy language. No offense to anybody from Hawaii that's listening, but but we're very efficient. And so we skip words yeah. and we talk quickly to get to the meaning that we want. So yeah. instead of Instead of saying, I, I, um, I went to the store the other day and then I went surfing, we would say, when started a day and went surf. So we, we're very efficient and we leave out words. So there were kids in that class that truly would never have been able to pass freshman English. So I was there to help them. Wow. And, and of course, I aced the class and I avoided all the agony. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In freshman English, we're having. So that's uh, when I was write, uh, ready to write a book or asked to write a book. I kept thinking, I can't be an author because I took English as a second language in college. Mm. But f- I wrote all of the marketing for all of the companies that I've been involved with. I've written all the legal contracts and um, I mean, I love to write. I write lots and lots of stuff for business, but somehow there was that little block. Yeah. Oh, you can't be an author. So in my second book called The Gratitude Formula, that was written specifically for people that have had success with the path to wealth. They've been able to achieve and manifest the things that they desire as long as they believe that they can have them. But what about those goals that you don't believe you can have, right? Well, that's where I was with writing a book. I didn't believe that I could do that because I had this identity as somebody that had taken English as a second language. 
And so what ended up happening for me is I started using exactly the same tools that I write about. I went out and I met other people that were writers. I met people that had published books. I kept using my daily practice to say that I am a successful published author and that this work that that spirit is using me as a vehicle for is making its way all over the world and helping and blessing people, showing them that they can partner with spirit the same way that I do and achieve the things that they mm. So I started um, using that. I met other writers. I, I did what I could to make the success that I wanted familiar. And some yeah. of these successful authors, I thought, oh, my God, if they could do it, I could do it. And so once that belief happened, once I believed that it was possible, yeah. then my brain ended up unmuting the channel that intuitive yeah. messages come to me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it turned out really good. As a matter of fact, I'm next month going to South Africa and uh, we'll be speaking at a big event there. Um, there's a group of people that are teaching my learning series that's available. They, they've been teaching it in Sweden, the Middle East, South Africa, Germany, all over the U.S. And it's so wonderful because I don't have to be there in person to do that. These people are using this material to to bless people all over the yeah. world. I just love that. I yeah. Just love that. that is yeah. awesome. That's why we enjoy doing this podcast because, you know, every once in a while we'll think, what's the point? Why do we do it? Because we just see the three of us here, me, and I look at Indy in the monitor, Ed. But then we forget that, wait a minute, we don't know who's listening to this in their car and benefiting from it. Or we've discovered people in other countries have written us. That letter we got that Ed read at the beginning, she's from uh, Great Britain, the UK. And it's like, like, that's the great thing about the way the world is now. And like you authoring these books and putting it in paper, it's just how the Fillmore's did it. You don't have to have a brick and mortar place to do good work and help a lot of people. You know, if you write a book that can go everywhere, you're not. But you know what? Whenever I read a book, no matter what it is, it's actually a friend this is how I've always, because that's, I've always been reading these books for so long and your book as well, it would be taken if I started reading it. Um, it would be like you, you are actually a friend of mine now yes. encouraging me with yes. your words, even though we say it's a book, but that's how powerful these tools are. And it's so wonderful to hear that you're not in all these places but your spirit is, and you're helping to keep these ideas and this inspiration and this feeling of motivation of just try this practice, and you too really will. And it's not a gimmick. It's not, you know, you have to buy anything special other than just do what I do. It's like Jesus, the great way shower, you know, follow the leader. Well, just... I want to point out, though, that what I ask people to do is follow the practice as written. It takes a half an hour in the morning. 
and then it's fun all day long. And then at night, uh, there's a short practice as well. But after 30 days, I ask them to do it for 30 days as written. But after that, I have to trust and I tell them to trust themselves as well, because now they've had 30 days of partnering with their source of intuition, yeah. with God, with yes. spirit, with divine intelligence. And it stands to reason, since I am an individual expression of God, my fingerprints are different than anybody else's. My DNA is different than anyone else's. It stands to reason that my way to connect with spirit may be different than how spirit wants to connect to other people. So yes. I ask them to try it for 30 days as written. But if they feel any divine inspiration to modify it some, I, I want them to be able to know they can do that because their relationship with God is is their own. It's it's their personal relationship. What I want to do is just help them get started in that routine. Yeah. Because I really do believe that repetition reaps rewards. And if we wake up and do this practice, then we do also what Florence Scovel Shins tells us. She says that if we let the rest of the world program what's in our subconscious, um, then then we're going to believe in whatever they believe in. But if we program our own first thing in the morning, yeah. then our our subconscious is going to filter billions of pieces of data that are coming at us all day long and illuminate those things that are in alignment with what we programmed in our brain. So yeah. my advice is, you know what? Program your own brain. Don't let the rest of the world program your brain for you. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Um, well, we've got to give Florence Scovel Shin credit for that one. Yeah. yeah, and all of her teachers as well. That, and yeah. I, do you know if she was a student of Emma Curtis Hopkins? That's the because great mystery. I, she was a student. She was a student of Ernest Wilson. Wilson, who was a Unity student, because she refers to him in one of her books. Okay, all right. But I'm sure they all, because Emma Curtis well, Emma, Hopkins was the Nancy. No, teacher. Nancy mentioned something about Florence Goldstein and who her teacher. Yeah, recently. We'll have to check in with. Yeah, her. we'll check in with Nancy Norman and get back to you. Yeah, she, um, uh, I know Emma Kirsten, I love Emma's work and uh, she's, oh my gosh, it's, it's nice to have somebody to guide you through her high mysticism and uh, scientific Christian mental practice. But, you know, she's always referred to as the teacher's teacher. Yeah. She taught Holmes and the Fillmore's. Yep. Yeah. And um, a lot of other people as well. A lot of other people, but boy, I sure love her work. Yeah. Really, really excellent well but, you're carrying it on quite nicely and she appreciates oh. it that much i know yeah well that's one thing i've learned through the show when we start reading these people you know just like if i was on when i leave this plane and if someone else is picking up the same stuff we're teaching we're going to want to cheer them on they're all cheering us on like anyone who is willing to be crazy enough or just audacious enough to to live this stuff and like really take it into your work your family your life yeah you know they're cheering us on it's really helpful for me 
to always remember that. And I, I, my question was answered just by you, which is beautiful, because I was thinking, because I've been in public schools for a long time, and now I'm shifting to, well, I want to just uh, liberate more energy, like do more with what I've learned by practicing this stuff. And, and um, I was thinking to myself, well, how could someone who is not, doesn't have like the template of like being a successful business person outside of like a structured kind of environment where you're getting a um, salary and that, like, that's kind of what I was kind of groomed to be. But you reminded me when you described how you approach being an author. And I love what you said about once your subconscious mind agrees to it, then it unmutes the, yeah. the channel of information. And I can relate it to like the very simple thing you surf, I surf. When I wanted, I was in 39, and I wanted to learn how to do airs on a surfboard. And I just kept looking at the guys doing it. And I just kept going, they do it. I can do it. They're a person. I'm a person. And I would sit there, even if I didn't come up with anything that day. But suddenly I started remembering when I was 12 and I used to ride skateboards and do ramps. And the muscle memory started coming back. And within a year, it just started happening. So much so that now when I look back, I go, wow, that really was happening more than I even realized, you know, but like, so now when I'm looking at you, I'm like, well, she can do it. Let me just take her in and just start unmuting. Yeah. Cause I hear it. I get these visions, but I got to just keep unmuting that part and muting the part that's going like hard, scary. That doesn't work. It's because my family had a lot of stories about, they almost made it. They were They could have done this, you know? And, it's and they're like, virtuous because they didn't. It's right, so yeah, twisted. Yeah, yeah. So watching you and being in your presence is a blessing to me personally and to everyone out there who's listening and watching. So, And everyone beyond that, just the fact that you took yeah. your time to be with us today is really something we are grateful for. So thank you. You're welcome. So think about for your listeners and also for you think about what what we used to do when we were kids you know we wanted to learn how to ride a bike right were right. we perfect the first time no no i had so much road rash it was awful mm -hmm. <laughs> i know but um what we did was we watched other people we saw how they did it. We practiced, practiced, practiced. We thought about it. You know, we could feel in our mind, you know, sailing down the road with the wind going through our <laughs> hair. And even my brothers, they would, you know, make these jumps. And I mean, I could see myself doing it. Right. And then mm -hmm. now you could probably get on a bike anytime, anywhere and ride, even right. if you haven't ridden for years. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with driving a car. We weren't perfect. We had to practice, right? Mm -hmm. Practice, practice, practice. And then, um, and reading. I mean, we weren't perfect. Now you can probably read, you know, just by skimming, you can read really, really fast. We used to have to sound out every single mm -hmm. word and, uh, and then try and make sense in our heads. And don't even get me started on typing. Oh, my God. <laughs> I started typing. I mean, I'm looking at this keyboard thinking it's not even in alphabetical order. Right. And how in the world am I going to do that? And I can tell you that I can sometimes type faster than I can talk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we practiced in order to accomplish something and we made it familiar and we made it welcome. And sometimes when we're, tr when we're thinking about doing something that we love 
and we're not getting the intuitive hits to do it, there might be something that's really hidden, some sort of old belief. I had a, a woman that took a workshop from me and um, she's great. And I stayed in contact with her and she's a scientist. I work at a big cancer research center. And um, she wanted one of her goals she was writing about in her CSO practice every day, her uh, letter that she was writing had to do with singing part-time professionally and getting paid for it. And so she came to me several months later and said she was going to give up on that goal because she hadn't gotten any leads, any intuitive hits in order to move forward. And I said, well, wait a minute, let's, let's talk about that. I said, first of all, can you sing? And uh, she sang for me and I got goosebumps. I mean, mm. this and sing. And I said, well, tell me about, you know, growing up and singing, you know, did, did you sing a lot when you were a kid? Oh yeah. She was in all of the school musicals and every time she was in college, her friends would want to go out to karaoke so they could put her on stage. And she just loves singing. She, all the family parties, she was asked to sing. She loves singing. And I said, did you ever want to be a professional singer? And she said she did. You know, when she was going to high school, she really had thought about that. But her parents told her it was very, very foolish. It was a foolish idea. Ah. She didn't plan on having this as a career. What she needed to do was do well in school, get through college, um, get a sensible degree mm -hmm. and a sensible job. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is the belief yeah. that she had. singing is OK for fun. Singing is not OK for livelihood or money. So I said, do this for me, go out to some clubs, you know, small clubs and um, and that with people that sing the style of music that you want to sing, which is, you know, kind of music with jazzy music with a trio, maybe, you know, that kind of thing. And I gave her some names of clubs that I had known. I'd seen performers like that. And so she went. And she was listening to him and listening to him. And she thought, yeah, God, you know, I could see myself sort of doing that. But, you know, I mean, how do I get into it? I mean, there's so much that's scary. So she then was invited to um, by her boss to go to this fundraiser at one of those mega, mega, mega mansions. Um, and uh, it was a fundraiser to raise money for the cancer research center. And so. She saw this trio and singer playing in the corner and she kind of inched her way closer and she was listening to him and she was watching that girl sing. And she was comparing herself to that woman that was singing. And she thought, oh, my God, I could do that. I could be the one here performing tonight. Yes. And right then Clicked. her brain said, OK. Yep. I don't have to be worried about you anymore because the reason it was keeping intuitive messages on mute was it hates when we get disappointed. It hates when we create a goal for ourselves and we don't achieve it and then we're disappointed. So what it does is it mutes these intuitive messages yeah. in order to protect us. Yeah. And it says until you believe it's possible, I'm not letting these messages come through. So that happened. Then yeah. she was invited, short time later, she yeah. was invited to this other party. She um, said no. Then another friend invited her to the same party. She said no. Then another friend invited her to the same party, and she thought, wait a minute. Three friends, 
CSO, is this a lead from you? And so she decided, okay, I'll just go. She went to this party and it was like there was a spotlight on this guy across the room. And he started moving and the spotlight was on his head the whole way. And he came right up to her and stuck out his hand and introduced himself. And as they were talking, he said that, yeah, he had volunteered. He he uh, volunteers at this community center and he had volunteered to head up this uh, fundraising event. And he's responsible. Right now he has to look for entertainment. Right then, her gut is yelling at herself and it's saying, Tell him you're a singer. Yeah. Tell him you're a and so she blurts that out I'm a singer. And he goes, Great, come audition. And she got her first paying gig. Yep. Wow. And since, since then, she has been singing part time. And, you know, that community is pretty small. Everybody gets to meet each other that, that sings. Yeah. And, and she does that part time and is is absolutely loving life. She's still a scientist. She loves her work, right? But um, she is having fun. So making it familiar and welcome is is going out and reading stories about or finding people that you can talk to yes. that are experiencing and learning what their stories were because their stories are probably coming from pretty humble beginnings, just like where you are. Wow. Great. It's taking notes, ladies and gentlemen, because <laughs> you're wondering why it's quiet. Yeah. No, this is great. Wow. 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 Well, are you ready to tell a little yeah. story about well, May McCarthy? Before we do that, where, where can people yes. follow you, where find, can they you? find what, you? What books should they be reading of yours? Tell us a little uh -huh. bit about how we can continue to follow you around. Yeah. If, if they just want to go to maymccarthy.com, um, there's a wealth of information on there. There's lots and lots of um, links to videos. I do have a YouTube channel and uh, there's just tons of videos, lots of different media interviews, um, just lots of stuff that they can access for free. And at maymccarthy.com, there's also the first three chapters of each of my books that they can read for free too. Oh, brilliant. Great. Yeah. yeah awesome. So if they... If they like it, then they can certainly find a copy. And uh, if not, at least they'll have three chapters for free. There you it's go. like that old Alka-Seltzer commercial. Try it. You'll like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well. You know why I'm getting impatient, Ed? Because that cupcake has my name on it. Yeah, Literally. Right? This, I'm getting like, I got to have this. And it actually has my name on it. Only May was here. It. We'd love to share with you, May, if you were here. And I wanted a chocolate one, too. So thank you, Tori. I don't know how she read yeah. my mind. Now, this Her? story does not really track with what we've learned from May McCarthy. But we found this somewhere. And it was in Honolulu, TMZ. Yeah. So apparently before May McCarthy uncovered these principles and became a successful entrepreneur, author, visionary, new thought, prosperity leader, she was a seeker struggling to make ends meet. May was telling Daryl and Ed... At one point, I applied to go to school to I applied to go to school at psychic school. Daryl and Ed asked, "Did you end up going?" May shrugged. No, I couldn't afford the intuition. <laughs> Listen, May, that's a compliment because the worse the joke, it means the more we love you. Isn't that right, Ed? 
That's right. Because I just made that up. Very cute. Very cute. Well, we got to take this out of here with a little spiritual hymn. A spiritual hymn by BTO. Yes, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Okay, you ready, Ed? You know the... Okay, you ready? You know how it goes. Yeah, we rented a truck Truck and and a semi to God. Travel down the long and the winding road. Look at the map. I think think we're ready before. (laughs) Close up the doors. Let's Let's roll roll once more. God's on the corner, corner. looking straight at me <laughs> right. I don't need no ticket, so I screamed out of sight. Drove so fast that my eyes can't see. Look in the mirror, God's still following me. Let it roll! Down the highway! Let it roll! Down the highway! Visit Daryl and Ed.com. To find easy links to everything we do. And thanks for being a part of Fucking Sing with Daryl Down the highway. Let it roll. Down the highway. Roll. Thank you for listening to The Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed. Listen in as these unlikely saints share more real-life stories of how surrendering to divine order always leads to better-than-expected outcomes. This program has been made possible by God through automated monthly transfers from Daryl and Ed's credit cards. Oh, man, I'm so excited uh, for my cupcake. I've been waiting. Mae McCarthy, thank you so much. $500. See, $200 for you, sir. $100 for you. What the heck? <laughs> oh, no, no. $100 for you. Are you serious? Yeah, I'll give you a hundred. Thank you so much. When you record your podcast at Chobo Studios, you're helping people in need. Here at Chobo, we take a bold stance on helping the community by giving away 10% of all revenue, not just profit, to kind, hardworking people in the streets of Los Angeles. And thanks to all these wonderful podcasters, we've been able to give $1,400 this year alone through our kindness initiative, Chobo Kindness. Brought to you by Chobo Studios, LA's premier podcasting powerhouse. Follow for more.